This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast. I think we're going to call this Ring Before Spring. Uh, that was uh, Sikkim, Kentucky's suggestion. I'll, I kind of like that. What, what do you think, Kendall? I'm joined by Kendall Cout, outstanding basketball analyst for Sikkim 365. Uh, what do you think of the new name for the podcast? Really like the name, and I have nothing against the state of Kentucky, and I've said nothing negative about South Dakota. <laughs> You're off to a good start today. It's Friday, and we got we got a pretty exciting um, weekend of hoops ahead of us here. Uh, we can talk about some of the games that are coming up, but uh, the big one for Baylor fans is the uh, game against Washington State in the American Airlines Center Sunday night. Uh, that's going to be ho- hopefully around a 9 p.m. tip. Uh, the women play before that against Arizona. That's a top 20 matchup uh, between Baylor and Arizona, so that'll be a fun one too. But, uh, you know, Washington State's a team that uh, was expected to be maybe upper half of the Pac-12 off to a bit of a rough start. They're four and five. They've had some injuries. They have Dennis Rodman's son on their team. And uh, what do you think? What do you you expect from this game? I know you probably haven't done too much in-depth analysis of Washington State. But uh, from Baylor's perspective, it looks like they'll be healthy. LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler should be in the game uh, Sunday night, and we should have a full squad. Uh, what do you think about coming off of a 12-day layover, and, and what do you expect from the Bears? Hopefully a real good performance, actually. The two things I'm most excited about are certainly the return of Flagler and Cryer. Uh, Drew, as you mentioned in the press conference, said that everybody was practicing and healthy, so that's great. second thing I'm excited about on that front is Langston Love played so well against Tarleton State. I think he had 20 points. As he gets further and further away from that ACL injury, how does he look in another big game? I'm really excited about that. When you kind of turn to Washington State, four and five record. I think they lost by double digits to Prairie View A&M, which is uh, never a good moment for your country if you're Washington State. So that's a real tough scene for them on that front. Uh, you look at kind of their Ken Palm stats. They turn the ball over all the time. They don't get fouled a lot. So you hope Baylor can really force some turnovers in this game. That Baylor's had some real issues fouling teams. So maybe this is a game where they can not foul somebody and. Baylor's resume would take a real big hit with this game. They sometimes talk about, you know, they're not a bad loss to Virginia. Marquette loss, I think, will definitely stay quad one all season. This is probably a quad two loss. We talk about those tournament sheet games. And maybe even a quad three loss eventually. Uh, I don't want that to happen for Baylor's sheet. So that's my concern with this one is just you got to get this done. Yeah, hopefully they come out like UCLA did against Maryland. That, That was one of the more impressive performances of the season and it helps Baylor, you know, every, every time UCLA plays like that, that's going to be good for Baylor from a, from a strength metrics perspective, but they just came out dominated uh, Maryland at Maryland. And I want to see that kind of like focus and intensity from the bears. Uh, you really like to see them, you know, win these three games before the big 12 play starts handily. Obviously the Washington state game is probably the toughest game on paper, uh, but the, the other two aren't, you know, exactly, pushovers we know northwestern state beat tcu at tcu and uh, nickel state uh took texas tech down to the wire i believe so it's not it's not like those teams aren't capable but but you really gotta you know take care of business uh, sunday night and then quick turnaround to play northwestern state on tuesday and then you got a christmas break and then and then you play nickel state before you start big 12 play uh the, the you know after the nickel state game i think is the 28th so Three games left and, and, and uh, before the Big 12 play starts. And, of course, they have Arkansas in the non-conference still in January. Uh, what do you think about all the chaos going on in the Big 12? Let's, let's uh, kind of talk about some of the things 
that have happened since we had our last podcast. Uh, there's been all kinds of uh, message board rumors about Texas Tech, you know, Mark Adams' personal life. We won't go into much detail there because there's nothing criminal involved, unlike another coach we'll talk about in a second. But uh, but there is, um, you know, some, some smoke about uh, – their uh, Fardaz Amik, I think, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but their talented transfer has been sitting out by injury. Uh, Jeff Goodman reported that he's going to hit the transfer portal. Evidently, he didn't find what he liked in the transfer portal or just making some inquiries. So now all of a sudden he's all in, you know, back on Texas Tech and he's like, I'm I'm a Red Raider for life and, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm chasing rings and, you know, it's like, you know, the quickest uh, turnaround and attitude that I think I've seen in a three-day stretch uh, since I've been following the Big 12. But, you you know, you got Davion Harmon, you know, has, has been kind of labeled a malcontent. I know, you know, OU fans and Oregon fans have said that about him. And and is he the right guy, you know, from a chemistry standpoint? They just – they seem like they're a bit of a mess uh, off the court, you know. And, and then you got the Texas situation. You know, Chris Beard gets accused of uh, trying to strangle his fiance and gets arrested um police come you know and and then she doesn't want to prosecute uh this is more of your realm because because you're in that world but uh you know maybe comment on that and and uh what what you think uh, texas is going to do with with beard my guess is that he'll end up getting fired uh a lot can happen so i don't prosecute domestic violence cases now but i've done that in the past uh when you intern in a prosecutor's office that's often misdemeanor domestic violence scenario focus on uh and then i've had felony domestic violence cases throughout my career at times too uh obviously we would both say a sad situation all the way around uh the concern you have is she reported this obviously she knows what she has to lose with chris beard making whether it's five or seven million dollars a year i've seen two figures thrown about but he makes well into the eight figures over the term of that contract so she knows he has a lot to lose with that. She also knows once he's arrested, there's a lot he's going to give up. And so my general presumption is domestic violence victims are often scared to report against their abusers. Uh, it's often difficult for the complicated situation they're in to make those reports. They often are fearful about what will happen. They're fearful for kind of once they report it, are people going to, you know, call them names? They're going to say they're lying. They're going to make it up. So my general presumption is to believe the victims in those kinds of situations when it's a domestic violence incident doesn't mean Chris Beard doesn't have a right to a trial and a trial setting. He has a right to be proven uh, a right to be innocent uh, until he's proven guilty. The presumption of innocence will attach to Chris Beard at the trial setting. But when you look at it from the outside, it really, really does not look good uh, for what has happened there. And you are deeply alarmed for what has happened, kind of what's going on. On top of that, I think we've mentioned on this podcast before that Arterio Morris is currently playing for Texas. Uh, he's a freshman. He's probably Texas seventh best player which is a little concerning that you wouldn't either kick off your seventh best player or suspend him uh, because he's not the star, right? It's not like their whole season goes as he goes. And there are allegations that he had domestically abused someone when he was uh, a couple years ago back in high school and that he had still sent some messages that were deeply concerning. One included a gun. Uh, I think he is still facing criminal charges in January, to the best of my knowledge still. And so it's one of those deals where if you have a problem like that on the team, and once an investigation starts, that comes up. It just does not look good. I don't – actually, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you seen if CDC, the athletic director at Texas, has tweeted anything out in the last few days? No. And, and Yeah. And, you know, you have to kind of start to question what's going on with him because, I mean, we've been through this at Baylor. We're not trying to throw uh, 
rocks in glass in glass houses. You know, I mean, obviously with the Bryles situation, that was a, a, a terrible uh, set of circumstances. And, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on on, you know, what went down. But but there were certainly enough smoke that uh, we can say that, you know, parting ways was was justified. You know, I think I think that's going to be the outcome here, too, for the reasons you stated. I mean, you know, first of all, let's just think about this from a common sense perspective. You know, you can't I mean, you know, if, if you're the head coach at Texas and I mean, you've you've got an arrest photo out there and, you know, just think about how brutal it's going to be every time he goes on the road. I mean, that photo is going to be circulated in every student section. Uh, they're going to have fat heads of, of, you know, the the uh, jailhouse portrait. And, and it's just going to be tough for them to recruit, you know, with that stigma over them, uh, you know, for for the years to come. Uh, you know, I think that um, I mean, you know, from a Baylor fan, I mean, if if they want to stand by him and keep him, it's probably good for Baylor because it it is, you know, despite the the complete dysfunction that it's shown to be as a head job over the years, you know, it is, it is kind of a gold mine potentially, you know, for, for any coach to come in there uh, because of the new arena, because of location, because of, you know, the resources that, that they have. Uh, but, you know, I just think that it's going to be difficult to, to stick with beard uh, given the set of circumstances that they're dealing with. But, you know, there was a guy that wrote a Substack. Uh, he goes by a bitter white guy, which is kind of a funny uh, name, but uh, he's a Texas fan. And, he, you know, he laid out some points about, uh, you know, before this went down that, you know, uh, Chris Beard had uh, played uh, Clark, the transfer from Virginia Tech, a lot of smoke about him and, and a domestic violence situation there. And uh, Corpru uh, is another one, you know, that he played that had issues, uh, you know, assault uh, issues. And, and then, you know, you, and then you got uh, Arteria Morris. So, so there's a history there of playing guys despite that accusation. But the Arteria Morris one is is a little troubling because there's a Title IX investigation going on. There's a criminal, you know, investigation. He's going to trial. Like you said, he, he came for a preliminary hearing in December a couple days ago. And, and then he's, you know, the, you know, the process, the, the girl that's made the accusations is not backing down. You know, she's going to, you know, prosecute. Uh, she, she wants to go forward with the case. So, um, you know, there's going to be a trial uh or hearing, you know, you, you know, probably better than I do the terminology here, but in January. So why, you know, why are you playing him? It just doesn't make any sense. Like, especially given the set of circumstances with beard, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad uh, set of facts, you know, from the outside looking in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see how they keep him. I, I think it would be really tough to recruit and sustain what he's been building there. If, if he, um, you know, without, uh, firing him I, I guess I guess you could suspend him for a year and then have the you know uh tearful apology tour and I've changed you know I'm, I'm going to be a better man I mean that's that's a possibility and maybe that's what they're going to do but uh uh you know I, I think that will end up costing Del Conte his job as well and it, and it might and it might anyway you know I mean this is uh you know stuff that usually takes down the athletic director as well right and on top of that from CDC, the, I think, challenge is what happened to Jeff Long at Kansas once these allegations came out about Les Miles at LSU and was he, you know, acting properly? Did he have an issue with sexually harassing and potentially sexually assaulting some of the women he interacted with at LSU? And they looked at kind of Jeff Long's hiring process at KU and said, hey, man, what's going on? I mean, Jeff Long's disaster at KU, I think, is the stuff of legends. He gets uh, – they have to fire 
Les Miles, and there are some stories about Les Miles that I cannot verify myself that are absolutely legendary about him at the end of KU. <laughs> and Jeff Long uh, has to fire Les Miles, and he does a press conference, and because it's the COVID era, Sam Mellinger from the Star even like apologizes and says, listen, man, I wouldn't even ask you this at a press conference, but this is the only way I can get access to you right now. Uh, why should anyone like have confidence in your football hires, given all of your hires have been terrible? And Jeff Long goes, well, I would just ask you in what way. And Mellinger goes, on the field? Because, <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, he had hired Bielema uh, at Arkansas, and he'd hired Les Miles. Right. And so CDC is going to have that problem. Where Jeff Long at KU, they looked into it, and he ended up trying to sue David Beatty to get $1 million right. out of David Beatty. It was like pocket change for a Power 5 athletic department. As part of that deposition, he ends up saying, I can't even remember the names of the guys I interviewed. I think one of them was the offensive coordinator for the Rams, which clearly <laughs> showed he had put in no effort. Right. And if you're now the UT administration, you're going to look at what CDC did to hire Beard and start wondering. The due diligence. Did we just, yeah. yeah. Did we just rely upon, well, if Texas Tech wouldn't have hired somebody who's not qualified. UNLV wouldn't have made a bad hire. Arkansas Pine Bluff wouldn't have made a bad hire. He was a Texas guy. Arkansas Little the national championship. <laughs> Therefore, yeah. Therefore, good enough. Good is good enough. And it's kind of funny. I wonder if Brian Davis from the Statesman uh, regrets the job he took. I mean, good job for him. But he is now the director of crisis communications <laughs> at UT. So he would have been writing about this last year. And now he has to be the one probably drafting up statements for everybody there. So horrible situation for Texas. They obviously did not play well against Rice. Not a good squad. I don't blame the players if they're not exactly thrilled to be playing right now, but I don't think you can be very bullish on Texas on the basketball court. And, yeah, you really can't be off the court. I just don't see a path to Chris Beard surviving. I mean, even if she recants, that happens a lot in domestic violence cases where the victim recants because of the cycles of abuse and domestic violence. The original reporting is bad. The documentation of injuries looks bad. I just don't see a way he gets out of this. I'm not implying he's going to be proven guilty in a criminal court. Again, he has the right to a presumption of innocence in a criminal court hearing whether that be a trial or a preliminary hearing or anything else. Oh, well, not a preliminary hearing, but in a trial itself, he has the right to presumption of innocence. I just don't see, as you mentioned, his mugshot's going to be out there. Recruiting's going to be different. And I don't think you want to go into more years wondering, can he compete against Baylor recruiting? Can he compete against Kentucky? Can he compete against right. Arkansas? It's it's not like this guy's Bill Self or Scott Drew even, or, you know, Jay Wright or anything of that ilk. Like he hasn't achieved long, consistent results of that level. Uh, and then, you know, we can turn to Mark Adams and just say that 2019 tech staff is not looking quite as good as it was just a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. And then the 911 call is probably going to have some pretty damning stuff on it, too. You know, I I, I think it's it is it's it's really interesting, um, you know, just the psychology behind this. Uh, you know, the fact that they haven't already made a move, you know, it, it, who knows? It, you know, maybe they're looking at contracts. Maybe they're trying to figure out, you know, how can we get out of this with the, with the cheapest, you know, uh, separation, you know, fee possible, but it, it kind of like, you know, Del Conte's silence kind of says to me that maybe they're putting their head in the sand, uh, reminiscent of, you know, the early days in, in the Browse situation that hopefully, you know, this will all blow over and, and no one will, you know, really bring much attention to it. I, I will say, you know, I think it's, it's pretty, um, interesting that the media has been, relatively quiet about it. I, I, the basketball media parish and Norlander spent a good, good podcast on it. And I thought their comments were spot on. Um, you know, they, they thought that, you know, they, Texas would have to separate here. And then I noticed, you know, the Phil 68 Doster, uh, you know, talked about it on his podcast. 
but uh, Titus and Tate had a podcast that broke today. Didn't even mention it at all. Um, you know, there's there's been a lack of you know really, you know, I, I'll, I'll give credit to you know Jeff Ketchum, who I don't see eye to eye with on many things, but you know he has been uh, beating the drum a little bit about this Arterio Morris situation, and 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 then also um, you know started uh, talking about uh, you know he he had a podcast on on the beard uh, situation right away. So, you know, he's reporting on it at least, but, but, and, and, and there's, you know, there's some local beat reporters for UT that are, but it, but it really is kind of going under the radar from a national perspective. The Brenda Tracy's of the world have made, you know, maybe one comment on it, uh, but it hasn't been the constant beating of the drum like it was with Art Bryles and in that situation. So uh, it seems like a lack of consistency there, but uh, hey, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. And this, when we turn from Texas to Texas Tech, I mean, it's concerning to me, if you're Texas Tech, that everybody who is relevant transferred out besides Kevin O'Banner. Right. Uh, Kevin O'Connor has been playing pretty well the last few games for KU. Seemed to be a guy who loved Texas Tech and then suddenly is gone. I think Davian Harmon is a good number two guard, but I don't think a lot of other schools would have brought him in as the point guard. And Jeff Goodman – it's not one of those scenarios where I would have any belief in the world that Jeff Goodman had bad info. Yeah. I believe Jeff Goodman definitely had correct info at the time, and that's somebody trying to flip, and it's easier for him to say sources are wrong. Right. But Goodman doesn't go and report that without rock-solid info. Right. You can, you can not like Jeff Goodman for whatever reason. I, I think he's, I've met him in person recently in Vegas. I thought he was a real nice guy. Yeah. Uh, clearly cares about his daughter. I know Scott Drew really gets along well with him. I think he's a good guy. Uh, but I, I have no doubt that report's true. Like, if, if Norlander Parrish or Goodman reports something, it's the same way with, like, Schefter reporting something in the NFL. Yeah. Someone is, le- is like, leaking that who is a definitive fact finder. Sure, they are not guys sure. who kind of have to chase the lead. So, Kevin O'Banner is the only guy who came back. Davian Harmon, as you mentioned, should not be playing point guard. Their defense is way down. And the rumors that are flying there, I'm, I can't, you know, verify them myself. But absolutely wild rumors if you want to check online. Again, I'm not saying they're true or false. But something seems amiss in Lubbock that Mark Adams suddenly doesn't have the roster he wants. The defense that's always been his bread and butter is not where it was before. And you look at their non-conference schedule. They played Georgetown and Louisville, who were god-awful, and you will get no credit for beating. And they lost to Creighton in Ohio State. There is no chance in the world, in my mind, if Texas Tech goes 8-10 and 10 or even 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12, if they're an at-large team. Right. I'll say it right now. Texas Tech is not going to make the NCAA tournament. Well, yeah, the, this Fardaz uh, will have to get healthy and and be the savior. I mean, I know he's a good player, you know, and they they were uh, you know putting a lot of hopes on him, and and you know Daniel Bacho was hurt last game. I they do have talent on that roster. That you know, I think Pop Isaacs is a is a pretty promising freshman. Uh, you know, I but yeah, it's it doesn't it's it's not of the caliber of the last you know three or four teams that they've had for sure. Uh, there's there's definitely a drop off, you know, just in cohesion and chemistry, uh, you know, effort. I mean, all those things. I th- I think you can call into question. You know, it, the Big Twelve is interesting. Um, you, you look at it before the year started. I, I would say that West Virginia is far better than I expected them to be. I, I think that's going to be one of the top four teams in the in the Big Twelve. Uh, Kansas and Baylor, I thought would be the favorites. I I would still say that right now, especially given what's happened to Texas um, Kansas state's much better than we expected them to be. I, I think it's good. They're going to have tough sledding once big 12 play starts, but 
And then TCU is a kind of a question mark. They have the good win against Iowa, but you know another team that doesn't shoot the three ball very well. Uh, a lot, a lot of the Big Twelve has that issue. We've talked about that at length. You know, Texas, I think against Rice had another pretty bad three point shooting night. You know, they're 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 teams that once you hit conference play, and the scouting is so good, you know that if you can't consistently spread that you know floor and make you know threes, then you're going to have challenges. A lot, a lot of the 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 you know, points in the paint and points at the rim and points in transition, all of that goes away once conference play starts because the scouting's so good. You just don't give those type of buckets up. Uh, so I, I, I worry about Texas from that standpoint, whether they're going to be able to, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of games when they probably score 52 or 55, you know, and, and that's hard to win games when, when you're only scoring that much. I agree. And I think TCU to me is, given the political analogy without, you know, giving too much of a political take, but, they are the John McCain 08 Republican presidential campaign. <laughs> we all left them for dead. McCain was floundering in the summer of 07. Everybody else kind of tanks. They come back. I think I would take TCU over the rest of the field for more likely to challenge Baylor and Kansas for a Big 12 title right now. That's how low I am on Texas with what's going on uh. and how low I am on Tech. And West Virginia ranks very highly on Torvik, but still some questions there. I think certainly you're right that they've beaten expectations. K-State's certainly beaten expectations so far, although not the toughest non-con. Still love Jerome Tang and Austin Carpenter, but I think it's Baylor and KU races. It's now been, it feels like, for the last four years. And I think TCU, the preseason's coming back to reality, I think, for the Big 12, and TCU will get back in there. Yeah, for sure. And and Oklahoma State's an interesting team. You know, they've <laughs> they're eight and they're six and four with a loss to Southern Illinois and an overtime loss to UCF. And I actually think UCF's a pretty solid team. Uh, they lost to Connecticut you know, at Connecticut, and then Virginia Tech beat them at a neutral site, and, and Oklahoma State had a pretty good chance of winning that game. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a tough out, but but they're probably no better than fifth uh, in, in the Big 12. You know, Oklahoma, probably, you know, one of those middle pack teams as well. Iowa State, man, they are offensively challenged at times. They can, you know, just like, like against Iowa, they just – couldn't throw the the ball in the the bucket to save their lives. So so there's going to be a lot of times when they're you know they're b- below sixty points. So you know I think um, you know just from a you know when you look at the conference, I I, I mean I I think it's going to come down to Baylor and Kansas. I I think those are the two strongest teams, and I mean we'll see. But uh, you know those were the two that were the preseason favorites, and I think they have the most stable coaching staffs. And and you know Texas looked like they could be a legitimate challenger to that and, and they have the talent, but you know, shoot, if, if your coach is gone for the year and, and you, and you got just a circus, you know, surrounding you, I, I just can't see how they'll, they'll put the consistency together to, to win the big 12, especially given, you know, the, the problems that I've mentioned earlier with their three point shooting and uh, their, their, you know, free throw shootings pretty bad to 66% from the line and, and uh, less than 30% from the three point line. So those are, those are some bad facts as you enter big 12 play. They certainly are, and I think when we compare kind of the Big 12 to what's going on nationally, I think this is a year where the title's still very well there for the taking. UConn looks great, but the preseason expectations do correlate pretty well with how good a team is. I'm agreeing that I don't know that I want to quit North Carolina all the way, but at some point you just start wondering, did Baylor and a few teams catch them on a bad day in March? And can they ever sustain what Caleb Love and RJ Davis were there? And then can Houston score at a sufficient rate once it really comes to matter? And then they're going to have the Gonzaga problem where the American outside of Memphis is just catastrophic. I mean, they always wanted to do the whole power six, power seven thing. 
not even close for the American this season. So you worry about Houston there, and it's like, okay, can Alabama do it? Where I love shooting the three. I think it's great, but they're going to have a lot of variance there, and then Arkansas has got a lot of freshmen. So one of those teams can win the title, but it is not the Baylor-Gonzaga championship season. Somebody is going to win the title that Baylor or Gonzaga would have pounded that year. Baylor might as well start winking and say, why can't it be us? Yeah, and, and I got a hot take here. Uh, you know, the Big East, and, and this may be a bias of watching Marquette just completely dissect Baylor uh, that that night a few weeks ago. But I also watched them do the same at Notre Dame. So, you know, I think Notre Dame's not a top 10, top 15 team, but it's 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 not a spare team either. You know, I, I think uh, Marquette's going to win the Big East. I, I, I'm a little skeptical of Connecticut. I think Marquette's got a better backcourt. Um, and, and I would say, uh, even though, you know, Connecticut is by far the runaway favorite at this point to win the Big East, I, I, I think Marquette's going to win it. That, that's my bold prediction. That's hot take-ish, but I, I think Creighton you really sell on right now after they're taking so many losses. And right. That, that kind of was one of those wins that elevated Texas's resume that you combine what's happened off the court with some of their wins don't look quite as shiny later on. Xavier, yeah, Villanova, you know, Villanova still has Justin Moore coming back and, and then uh, Cam Whitmore. I mean, they're they're a capable team for sure. But, uh, you know, those are the only two that I think can give Marquette and Connecticut a real fight for the for the Big 12 crown. But but, you know, I mean, Ken Palm has Connecticut at 17 and three and, and Marquette at 12 and eight. But but I think that Marquette is being discounted and I think they're better than that record shows. I think so too. And I'm a shocker believer now that he's not in Austin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, and, it, and again, I'm, it's, you know, the only two games I've watched from start to finish, I, I did watch a lot of the Wisconsin game. That was a real competitive game. They lost in overtime. I think Wisconsin's a good team, uh, but, but Notre Dame, they went up there and, and just, you know, spanked them pretty good. And, and they were up like 20 something points, you know, down the stretch and Notre Dame closed it to make it a 15 point margin. Uh, but you know when you go when you go to a, a road game and beat a team by twenty, that's a top one hundred team. You know that stands out to me. And you know of course they just totally demolish you know Baylor at home. And and Baylor you know a lot of that was uh, self inflicted. But they also you know that, I mean to to beat Baylor by twenty six is 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 nothing to uh, dismiss. I mean that that is a, that is a great win for them and and shows what their upside is and what they're capable of. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, the 12-day break I think is good for a lot of reasons. But I'm getting bullish on Baylor basketball again. I was, you know, getting a little down on the defense, but I'm starting to believe again. I'm believing again. I'm hopeful again. I'm, I'm getting hopeful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got the best staff in America. It's, staff's incredible. We got great kids. They want to work. You know, I think that uh, – it, it, Langston Love, the emergence of him is is huge, you know, because that gives you, you know, Del Bonner and Langston playing so well off the bench. It's going to be hard for teams to meet, you know, to to really, you know, give you some bench firepower that equals Caleb Lohner, Langston Love, Del Bonner, and Josh, you know, Josh Ojewuna. I mean, that that is four really good players coming off that Baylor bench. You know, we don't know if, if Jordan Turner can carve a roll out. You know, he's back from injury and, and just gotten some spot minutes. But, 
uh, we, we need we need Bridges to to knock down open threes. We need him to play better offensively, but he's been really good defensively. And um, you know, we certainly need Keontae George to clean up some of the turnovers. We need Adam and LJ to stay healthy. But you know, the, the, it's a very bright future. We need Flo to play better. Flo Flo's got to finish around the rim. You know, Flo's got to stay out of foul trouble and and you know be more of what we saw down the stretch last year. But you know, these are all like not impossible ask. I mean, these are these are things that are within the realm of what these guys have put on paper before. Uh, so for that reason, I'm I'm optimistic, like you. I believe we're <laughs> we're going to see some good basketball down the stretch, and we are now just due for the Baylor KU battle for the rest of the decade all right real quick let's let's talk let's talk some games that are coming up and i want to get your opinions on who you think are going to win uh the first one we'll, we'll talk about is tonight uh creighton marquette creighton's on a four game five game losing streak i believe and uh, could make it six marquette's favored by three and a half they're at marquette uh what do you say give me shaka all yeah, day i think so i agree with you although you know there's there's that wounded animal uh you know since from uh, Creighton that, that may come out, but uh, you got to think Marquette's going to win that. Indiana visits Kansas tomorrow. Uh, I don't see a line on the game yet, but uh, who do you, who do you think is going to win that game between Indiana at, at Kansas? There's some potential for a KU loss, but it's tough to bet against KU and Allen Fieldhouse. Still not quite sold on Indiana. Excuse me, the Jayhawks. Yep. All right. One that I think will be an upset tomorrow is uh, Gonzaga at Alabama. Uh, Gonzaga's uh, is, that's a that's a noon game on CBS, and you know I think uh, Gonzaga's last real big opportunity to get a, a non-conference win. Uh, they're eight and three. Alabama's nine and one. Alabama's riding high, number four in the nation. Young team. Uh, do you think uh, Gonzaga can get the job done tomorrow? I think they could. Uh, this is my revenge for I took Alabama to beat Gonzaga in the twenty-one Final Four. <laughs> I think Alabama's. You're talking me into taking Gonzaga, but I'm still taking Alabama. They, they are the kings of letdown after big wins, but still give me Alabama. I just worry about those Gonzaga guards. But, man, credit to Gonzaga. That is one hell of a non-conference schedule they've played. Yeah, yeah. They're teeing it up for sure. All right, the big one at 1 p.m. is uh, Houston. It, it was going to, you know, was supposed to be a one, in, a one versus two matchup, but now because Houston lost to Alabama, it's number five versus number two, but they're going into Ver- – Virginia, excuse me. Uh, Virginia's um, at home and they're undefeated, eight zero. You know what do you think? How do you think that game's going to play out? And and I'm going to take Houston. Yeah. Do you think yeah, anybody gets take... fifty points? I mean, do you think that's first one to fifty wins? It's going to be ugly as hell. I I wouldn't want to watch this if I were a human being, which I am. <laughs> so I'm not going to watch it. Uh, but I'm going to take Houston. I think Houston. Uh, Virginia's played a lot of close games lately. I kind of think they've played their absolute ceiling. And that second half against Baylor doesn't disavow that Baylor's defense should have been better. But I thought Virginia really played to its ceiling. I don't think Virginia will do that again. I think Houston understands you really need this game if you want to be a one seed because you don't have any good opportunities outside of one or two games against Memphis. Right. So I'm taking the Cougs. Okay. Yep. Uh, I think Virginia's going to get it done. I, th- I think Okay. Virginia's a team that I think is going to be um, – you know, I, I picked them to go to the Final Four, and I picked Houston to go to the Final Four too, I believe. But uh, – you know, I do think that uh, Virginia's got some danger of, you know, peaking earlier in the year and uh, maybe not, you know, having as much upside because they're an old team. Uh, but I just think, you know, at home, I, I think they're going to get the job done. All right, Ohio State has North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, 
you know, has some real danger there if they don't win that game that, you know, they they could be, you know, looking at a, a pretty difficult road to get to the tournament unless they win the ACC, um, you know, uh, tournament because, you know, their their opportunities to get good wins are dwindling, you know, the, but they're at Ohio State. You know, how do you see that one playing out? I think North Carolina finds a way to do it. Hubert Davis has maintained this calm demeanor. He's kind of a Dave Aranda figure in the sense that he doesn't get too up, doesn't get too down. A little bit different when you hear him speak, but I think they both have that same, we're going to be okay, we'll get through it, we're not afraid to make changes that need to be made. I think North Carolina gets this one done. And when I mentioned about Texas Tech needing a lot of wins in the Big 12 with their non-conference, Carolina challenged themselves, but Carolina didn't win any of those games. And so you look at that ACC, Virginia's great, Duke is a good win. Outside of that, I mean, this could be a four-bid league. Yeah. Carolina better win that game tomorrow. Yeah, I think their back's up against the wall, but I think Ohio State's going to get it done. So I'm I'm, I'm predicting that uh, North Carolina loses another one. Seven and five, that would be a pretty disappointment, uh, disappointing start after being number one in the nation. All right, a couple more I'm going to give you here. We got um, uh, UCLA-Kentucky is a big one at 430. Uh, UCLA coming off that incredible win at Maryland. Uh, Kentucky's playing a little better. They beat uh, Michigan. They're, you know, so they're – that one's, uh, I believe, at Kentucky. Nope, Madison Square Garden. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madison Square Garden, so it's a neutral game. Uh, who do you got in that one? So you're saying, sorry, I missed that one, Ashley. It's Kentucky versus who in the Garden? Uh, UCLA. Uh, who? Kentucky needs a big win after they didn't look so good uh, against Gonzaga. They've looked, you know, better in some of these games. That Michigan game you mentioned. Uh, beat Yale, which you know, congratulations. Uh, if you're if you're Harvard, I guess that's a big deal. Uh, I, I I I hate the Yale game after that NCAA tournament game. Uh, I'm believing in the Bruins. Yeah, Nick me Cronin, too. I believe in. Give me UCLA. Yeah, that's a good. They're a good team. All right, uh, Connecticut goes to Butler. Upset potential there. So Connecticut's eleven and zero. They're at Butler. We know that's that's a tough place to win. Uh, you know. That, that's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Do you think Butler pulls the upset or Connecticut roll to 12-0? I think Connecticut wins. Uh, Butler's best claim is that they beat K-State. Uh, that's not enough of a resume boost for me to think you're better than the Huskies. Give me UConn. I'll go Butler in the upset there. I think uh, Connecticut takes their first loss. All right, Nebraska at Kansas State. Uh, that's um, uh, Actually, it's the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, so it's a neutral game. So Nebraska, Hoiberg against uh, Jerome Tang. Nebraska's playing a little better lately. Uh, they took uh, Purdue to the wire. They, um, you know, Indiana, they lost, but they beat Creighton uh, at Creighton by 12. Do you think uh, Hoiberg's able to get this uh, key win, or do you think uh, Kansas State prevails? Give me Jerome Tang in Kansas City. Uh, I'll take the Wildcats. I'll go Nebraska, but I'm rooting for Kansas State for sure. All right, Texas A&M, Memphis. Uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup. That's going to be at Memphis. Uh, who wins that one? It's a tough one because part of me never picks Texas A&M. Given I've said before, that's the like one school I would not want my kid to go to. I just I'm not an Aggie. It's just not me. But at the other hand, Tyler Harris was nearly a bear, and Penny's run him off twice. So do I have to support Tyler Harris? who had what I maintain to this day is the worst Baylor hat yeah. I have ever seen. I, I don't even know how they were able to bedazzle that with a, <laughs> a hot glue gun. So who give me Memphis. 
Yeah, I think Memphis too. And then and then we got Tennessee, Arizona is the night game. That's a big matchup. Top ten teams at Arizona. Uh, offense versus defense. What where, what do you uh, how do you see that one playing out? I got to take my boy Rem. Yeah. Uh, former Baylor graduate assistant, now the director of player personnel. Give me Arizona. That place is gonna be rocking. All right. Uh, what we'll we'll do one more. I, I know we probably both are taking Baylor to beat Washington State, but but the Sunday yes. game, uh, Texas. You know, with this still cloud hanging over their program, they've got Stanford in Dallas. Do you think Stanford can pull the upset, or do you think Texas uh, rolls? Stanford's three and six, so they have not been good this year. And obviously, uh, Jared Hass is probably on his way to another job. They did, you know, they, they lost a close one to Arizona State at Arizona State. Uh, they played people close, but uh, they certainly, you know, have not performed up to expectations, even though they have Harrison Ingram, a potential first-round draft pick. Yeah, I think Jared Haas will be on KU's staff next year if anybody from Kansas gets a job. Right. Or if Danny Manning doesn't take a KU job, too. A lot of the KU assistants have not done so well with their own programs. Go ahead. It's a tough call for me because I don't want to take Texas, but I think Texas rolls. I just think Stanford's too bad. Yep. I agree with you. All right. That's enough. Hey, thanks, Kendall, for doing this. The um, Ring by Spring podcast. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Cowell, Sikkim Bears.